seen a lot of movies. Hi, I'm Paul, and I'm here to help with that. And we are SP Film Viewers. I don't really know what film we're watching, but I know we're going to be having a special guest on and it's been a long time coming. No, it really has, yeah. Been in the talks for such a long time, but now I feel like this is prime opportunity to talk about it. I feel like I'm a bit anxious because it's you and him together make me a bit concerned and worried. And <laughs> why is that? You both like your horror and your gore, and I'm. I once, I once said it's really. I don't really know what I'm anticipating because I've never seen this, so I, I, I don't really know what I'm going in for. I just know that the two characters of you and our guest. Yeah. You can say his name. Can I say his name? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll be very happy to. It's Danny Jones, yeah. Yeah, which I'm going to end up calling him Jonesy yeah, the yeah. entire time. Yeah. Uh, one of our patrons, no less. Yeah, you're quite sinister and you quite like to scare me and you quite like the fact that I get freaked out easily. So yeah. I'm apprehensive. The film is called The Lighthouse. It stars Willem Dafoe. I know that name, but I don't know why. What is Dafoe? Why Willem Dafoe from, remember from the Spider-Man? Which one? The Toby, the the old one from like the, with the, the original, the one we did the the trilogy in, you know, with um, yeah, yeah. Mary Jane and yeah, 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 and it had Green Goblin yeah. and Doctor Hawk and yeah and stuff yeah, yeah. like that, and Robert Patterson. Robert Patterson in this film. Yep. Was he a vampire? No, he's not a vampire. Is it before his vampire days? No, or no, after? it's after. It's twenty nineteen. Is he actually becoming an actor now again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's yeah been more accomplished. You know, obviously, like when Twilight came out, he was yeah picked like oh this guy's terrible and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And just like as you do a bit like you know like how some pop stars when they start out like oh this is like bubblegum pop mm. trash and then the, yeah as you get older you kind of grow and you develop don't you as well so yeah so I think yeah so in all fairness of like how used to joke about how rubbish he was but I think he's kind of upped his game a little bit in his performances of he's grown as a person therefore his acting has also improved I haven't well. really seen him anything apart from being Cedric Diggory and, in and you're gonna say that. Harry Potter and Edward Culling that's literally all I've seen him yeah so it's primarily just those two characters working off each other in an isolated situation so I don't know if he's going to be anything like Edward Cullen, kind of vampire-esque, then talking in a soft voice, I'll be, like, freaked out anyways. don't know how anyone could fancy him, really, like, when they were Team Edward. No. No, I was Team Jacob all the way. Come on, have you seen the muscles? Um, sadly, yes. <laughs> well, a brief overview of what the lighthouse is, is two lighthouse keepers try to maintain their sanity while living on a remote and mysterious New England island Blech. in the 1890s. So literally so. the opposite, the sea or the ocean. 
Are they in the same no, they're, they're, lighthouse? Yes, they are in the lighthouse, and they're, they're lighthouse keepers. Of that one Manning, lighthouse? Manning the one lighthouse, yeah. Ah, okay. Yes, yeah, so obviously. Yeah. Already I'm thinking of that film where... Shutter Island? Maybe, or, you know, when... Oh, what was it? There's a weird, creepy thing that was going around, and it was like a security guard through playing with the lights and all of that, and freaky as, and I bet there's something weird going to come out. Are you not thinking of ghost stories? Yeah. yeah we did yeah, yeah, yeah. Wedding, last wedding. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that freaked. Oh, okay. No, I I would think it's more of a psychological, like, say, oh, okay. something like Shutter Island in a sense. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. There is, there is elements of horror, but I think it's more on, on that sort it's of... It's not Halloween yet, you guys. No, but I... Because if I, I can't think... sleep, I'm blaming Jones. Yeah, fine. I mean, it's useful. <laughs> I love how you just threw him under the bus there, Paul. Not the fact that you don't want to see it either. But yeah, with Jones' yeah, fault. In 4K as well, so... That's oh, why, great. That's why I meant about it being, like, a good time to revisit it, so... Yeah, so he's, he's, I know he's got a lot of notes. He said he's going to have to try and reel back on his theories and stuff about it. But He's going to be so passionate yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah. Is it, it. Well, at least if Jones has got loads of notes, then if it's leaving me wanting more, because I feel like mm-hmm. normally if it's psychological, probably going to leave me on a cliffhanger or something like that, where I'm like, what the hell happened? Mm-hmm. At least I've got somebody bringing a perspective, mm-hmm. which will make me happier. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm looking forward to it. And so next time you'll hear us, we'll have another voice joining us. So. Should be good. Looking forward to it. Just hope I'll like the film because otherwise... Tentatively going into it. Yeah. yeah. Only because it's you two. Just because I just... Yeah. Well, you got through The Shining. You've kind of got passed out. Yeah, it's because how many times have I watched it now? (laughs) Because of you. It's your favourite film. Anyways, we'll be back in a little while. Seeing The Lighthouse. made your last keeper leave? Him? He's second. Mm-hmm. Went mad, he did. Raving about sirens, merfolk, bad omens and the like. In the end, weren't no more sense left in him than an end's tooth. He believed that there was some enchantment in the light. He notioned that St. Elmo had cast the very fire into it. Salvation, said he. And we are back <laughs> from watching the lighthouse, me lad. <laughs> like a farmer. <laughs> but we are not alone. We're very happy to have our special guest and fellow Patreon, Mr. Danny Jones. Hi, thank you for having me. Really excited to talk about what I think is the best film ever made about two men in a race to die first from either misery, madness, or horniness. It's a good <laughs> film on its own, right? But in that genre, I think it's number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, I'm very excited to be talking about this one because I think there's a lot to unpack, really. <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm interested to know, obviously, of course, what Sophie made of the whole the whole film, really. If she can give her insights into what she took from it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping you guys can answer it, but I am really excited having... 
I'm going to refer to him as Jonesy because yeah. that's always what I've known. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jones that's cool. <laughs> as, but I think I felt a lot of pressure knowing Jonesy was going to be on this one, actually. I felt like I had to do a bit more homework. I kept on saying to Bob, just to clarify, this is how it ended, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's that's oh. how it ended. Yeah. I really want to try and be as good about it as as I can. Because mm-hmm. I feel like you two are coming in quite strong. And I don't know if I've really understood what I've watched. <laughs> that's not a, a, not a, a daft thing to have come across because it is kind of like a, one of those films that you have to sort of like, maybe see a couple of times to decipher perhaps. But Can I ask yeah. both of you? We'll go with Jonesy first. How many times have you actually watched this film? I would struggle to tell you. One of my questions for you, Sophie, is have you just seen it the once? Because it is definitely a film to re-digest. <laughs> I think I've seen it at least 12 times, probably more. Wow. Okay. No, <laughs> this is literally my first time. Like, I'm... Yeah, yeah. yeah for the, obviously the purpose of the episode. Yeah, it's, it's um, her first time watching it. I um, so. literally just watched it once and was like, okay. Kind of one of those films where it leaves you wanting and asking loads of questions. And I think that's kind of like you were saying, for me, it was like Shutter Island kind of vibes, a bit of, you said, why am I blanking on your favourite film? Why why is the name not coming to me? The Shining. The Shining, The Shining, yes. (laughs) But I've watched those a couple, The Shining, obviously, quite a lot of times now to pull. And kind of get it, and I understand it, and appreciate what it is. Whereas I think I've not been able to appreciate this as much, because I (laughs) I don't really truly understand what I've watched. I think that's fair. That's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> How many times have you watched I've it, Paul? Seen it maybe not as many as Jones, but maybe like three or four times. I think. Okay. Three or <laughs> four, I think. But there's there's still like new things to learn from it, and that's what keeps me coming back, and that's why I was sort of excited to be talking about this because there's theories or like the the themes that the, the film has going for it. I'm intrigued to know kind of what the whole thing films about because first watch when you go into it and you don't really know anything about it. It, it, <laughs> it throws in, a lot at you at the start and it just doesn't stop, does it? It, it really doesn't. The fact that, A, it's in black and white and that's actually an artistic choice. Mm-hmm. So it was mm-hmm. like a, oh, okay. I said to Paul straight away, is this going to be black and white the whole way through? Because some films <laughs> can <laughs> decide to change the mind. This didn't. No. The square formatting, when you've got a large telly and you're like, is it <laughs> not going to get any bigger? <laughs> no, it's the, Did uh, you think the curtains were stuck? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's obviously purposely like claustrophobic and for the framing yeah. of the, the, the shots and everything. It's obviously another artistic choice to do it that way, which I think works in its favour. I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but can I talk about the foghorn? Yeah. <laughs> I've never known what a foghorn sounded like. I know that sounds really daft until watching this film. I think I've heard it from a distance and called my sister a foghorn plenty of times. <laughs> but... Oh my god, in it eerie, it's like this haunting, weird noise. Yeah, if you didn't know what it sounded like before the film, you'll never forget what it sounds like once haunting, you've watched yeah. this film. It goes through you, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think because the rest of the film is so silent. Yeah. Aside from the wind and, and yeah, the just rain. the eeriness and st- yeah. Well, I love and those I love those weather sounds. Yeah. Mm. Sophie, I um, when I was watching this about a week and a half ago, I was sat making oodles and oodles of notes, and I just started to put together a list of Sophie's annoyances slash Sophie's points to raise with us. And the very top of that list is the horn. <laughs> there you go, then. Did you know I was going to say that? I'm so predictable. No, I think it's just because to somebody who is watching these films for the first time and usually watches much more sort of easy watching films, I think it's so 
counter to your typical film to just blare that noise at you, but it, I think it's there to sort of set the atmosphere. We'll see how many more of your annoyances I get right as we as we review the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm on a test now. <laughs> like a bingo card. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. But 100%, he knows me too well. Like <laughs> it was made it eerie. And I said to Paul, I actually went, "What is that sound?" I'm like, "Why is it doing it over and over?" And Paul's like, "Well, it's a fog on." And I'm like, "Yeah, but why?" <laughs> and it just feels haunting and scary and I don't know how they sleep. It's obviously just a thing that they it's part of, you know, comes with the, the job and everything and it's just they have to just deal with it and they deal with a lot of things, the hardships of you know, you know, like the hard labor of just carrying the the rocks and or whatever they've got to do, paint the lighthouse and just things like oh at the end of the day having a nice little tipple of the meal and that's about it. And that's all they've got to do for what's it, four weeks that they're supposed to be there. Yeah. But, four weeks. Yeah, four weeks. But <laughs> who who truly knows like how long they've actually been there? As I say, they kind of it's I feel it's like it's one of those things where what they show could have actually be like longer than a month or weeks and weeks and weeks for each shot and stuff, and you're thinking, oh, they just there indefinitely, not actually there for what they specified. Oh. And there was no boat coming. I don't know. Plus, if you think about what um, what Willem Dafoe gets up to in the lighthouse, I think he would sleep through anything after the annex he gets <laughs> up to tending the light. Yeah. Should, should we just dive yeah. into that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are we going straight to that scene? <laughs> <laughs> so with the light, it seems to be one of those things, obviously, he won't let, what's his name, Whip? No. No, Winslow. Winslow. Winslow, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tommy. Well, don't even get me started on them. Um, <laughs> Winslow up to the light. And obviously, I do feel like, Ed, I'm going to call him Edward Cullen now because that's where I see um, where you've known him Robert Pattinson as, as, yeah. as. And <laughs> normally I see him as a bad actor. He, he had that kind of hardness on him, didn't he, from, from that, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, brilliant performance. I can't actually fault him. He, initially, I did say to you, even though you told me when we'd watched it, I was like, he looks familiar. And he was like, Sophie, I've already told you who he is. <laughs> But because he'd aged, obviously there's a big gap between Twilight and this. Yeah, yeah, a little moustache, yeah. And I was just like, and he's got more like chiselled jaw lines and such. Mm-hmm. But anyways, the scene. <laughs> he's not allowed to go up there. He's not allowed to do anything. He has to graft. He does all the hard work and none of the perks, basically, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's basically under, it's like a, you know, employer-employee basically relationship, it seems, from the get go like mm-hmm. you know you do thing i just sit back and do seemingly nothing pretty much all he does is sit upstairs with the light yeah tend to the light but i don't know if it makes it seem like there's a mermaid or some kind of mythical thing with the the light being like a bit of an obsession and you kind of get a shot where some kind of sea creature or something is up there with him and obviously there's Lovely stuff dropping down, which you can kind of tell he's either wanking himself off or doing something. And you're like, what is this implying? I, I don't actually know what I'm valuing from it, apart from knowing he's jerking off to a light bulb, basically. Jones, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think I could boil the film down to three different interpretations. And this scene in particular is the perfect one to look at it from. So we could look at it as it's literally just plain reality with... Winslow's uh, Descent into Madness. That's the vampire stuff. (laughs) The 
there's literal reality, but with Lovecraftian horror, with the tentacles and the sea creatures and the sort of prayers and chants and incantations to the deep. And to get a little bit trippy on you, I think there's also an idea of it being a trip to, through purgatory. Perhaps Wake isn't just Wake, but maybe is um, a bit like Karen from Greek mythology. And I, I sometimes wonder if Thomas, um, sorry, if Winslow is actually dead and going through a cycle until he stops sort of giving into his baser needs. Um, <laughs> and each time he fails and suffers the sort of Promethean-style death, he, he sort of maybe goes back to the start and Wake is just pushing his buttons and breaking him to see when Winslow finally sort of better himself. Interesting. Yeah, I got the sense of possibly being in purgatory and like all mm. these kind of things that he's going through really, uh, especially more at the back end when he's kind of descending to yeah. madness. And it's like, or it, I, also, I feel like they both, they're one and the same person. It's like uh, he's, yeah. that's a reflection of him. And that's it, what I got out of it. Old, yeah. by, the, my, by my first watch, I assumed they were both the same person the, with the name. The Thomas, yeah. Yeah. And they different surnames, but yeah. And I think it was showing the younger self when he used to work hard at mm. the lighthouse and then what he became and contemplating and just obsessed with the light. I don't know. And then I think the eeriness of it all is just you're isolated on your own. So I was like, actually, has he ever had anybody with him? Is it just him on his own mm. in that lighthouse and he's making up these characters? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I could think I'd... something that supports that not to get too much into the technical side but i know that in the script for the film the two characters were referred to as young and old uh, in the initial sort of i don't know if it was the early draft or if um sort of pre-shooting draft that they weren't actually given distinct names but were just referred to as young and old which would support your theory there so far. oh my god right. see how amazing mm-hmm. am i i'm well made up that. <laughs> yeah. after my first watch yeah well there, i, I... <laughs> Funny to bring up that over the young and old because I, I was looking through like some of the extras on the the disc I've got and everything, and one of the things that I mean, Robert Eggers m- mentioned in in that or or the, well, one of the articles mentioned was the story was kind of based off of one story in particular that was like about a small lighthouse in Wales, two men mm. named Thomas. I don't know if you know this, Jones, but one yeah, was, I've heard the story. Yeah, one young, one old, and marooned on this little peninsula island, and then. The old one dies of a heart attack, and the young one goes insane. Oh, um, my God. Something along those lines. So it's kind of like a yeah. So it's sort of based, maybe based on a true story or an actual thing that did happen. Well, imagine mm-hmm. that. Like if you do fall ill, and there is a storm like that, you're pretty much gone for art. You no one can come and help you unless you've got like a first aid kit on the lighthouse. You're scuppered, mm-hmm. aren't you? doesn't help you from madness though does it if you go insane well no but that could cause someone to go insane seeing somebody die and you can't do anything about yeah. it no yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah it does well, if you drink like those two fellas did <laughs> well that's that that is one of the things isn't it but to be fair winslow at the start he's good and proper up until that <laughs> he's a good boy <laughs> yeah until he kills a gull yeah yeah that's almost like his undoing essential at that point it's like you know he was told not Bad luck to kill a seabird, and yeah, he damns them. Yeah, he damns. Yeah, he damns his own fate really, and that's like the winds change and everything, and that's like the, obviously that the music at that point as well, like goes like dramatic, like uh, like oh you did bad here, and obviously the gulls are not happy at that, and then it's like yeah we're going to teach you a lesson. But to be fair, like I know he he was trying to be good, he was trying to do by the books, and obviously a seagull did die in his water, and <laughs> he was pissed clearly. Not actually pissed, but just pissed off at the fact that he needed the water. And it's like, well, where else am I going to get clean water from? 
but he did not need to whack that bird like he did. Is that on your list, Jones, by any chance? It's not, actually, no. Ah. The uh, the seagulls in general were. I wondered if you'd have noticed the strange effect of the birds sort of flying in midair, which my partner herself was kind of fascinated by that shot in the film where you can see seagulls kind of flying in midair but not actually moving. Uh, but I didn't have the murder of the bird on my list. <laughs> I think I my see- list has already failed because we've gone quite ahead in the film. I uh, I predicted that you might talk about Defoe's teeth because of those giant fake teeth he wears in the film. <laughs> I just thought they were his real teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I also thought you'd comment on the farting. <laughs> oh, it is on my list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but excellent. Is- yeah. Because I do have, do they not have a toilet? That's what I've written down. There's a chamber pot, don't they, really? Oh, like, literally every two minutes, isn't he? He's farting the old man. <laughs> and you're like, he could just go to the toilet, though, couldn't he? He pees somewhere as well, doesn't he? Like, in a chamber pot, doesn't he? Yeah, it's in that first... Right like, at the start. When they're inside the house, yeah. It's like he's, he's covered by that beam. So it's almost like, almost like he's marking his territory in the, the vicinity of him. <laughs> and then he walks away and farts. And it's like, like, yeah, deal with it. You're stuck with me in this room. It comes across to me as an act of dominance because the first fart is very literally because, like you say, it's hidden behind the beam. You can hear the running water that you don't yet realize is him peeing in the chamber pot. But then the first you see of Defoe in that shot is he bends forward so his bum sticks out into the face of uh, Winslow. (laughs) And it very much comes across as an act of dominance. Yeah. (laughs) Which is a bit of a theme in the film, especially the the scene where he gets berated for not cleaning properly. Defoe has quite a monologue on that scene. Yeah, it was like... <laughs> sucking off, sucking nails clean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel really sorry for Winslow because it's like, he has been working his ass off. Like, what do you want off me? And it seems to be like Wake has a moment of where he's only liking him when he's he's had a bit to drink. Like, otherwise, yeah. he's not actually kind of there for him. He's like a horrible boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when they're working, he has to be... The, the top dog, but when the when they're talking in the evening, he wants a mate to chat away with. He just suddenly starts t- talking about a story of a ship he used to work on, completely unprompted by Winslow. He doesn't seem to. He didn't ask it. He doesn't seem to care. And then the following day, when they start working, <laughs> Wick is just a monster again. Yeah, like that must be hard to shift like that balance. Though, like for example, for us when we're at work, if we did have a manager like that, you are with them for whatever seven hours, eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. Then you go home mm-hmm. and you can leave them. Yeah, whereas, that. whereas he's there 24-7. Yeah, and then he's the only person yeah. you are communicating with, which must be hard. Like, you must clash and get to a point of where you can't tolerate one another. And Wick knows that. That's why he wants him to have a drink. Well, to be fair, Winslow doesn't really help at all. I think this would be Paul's situation. I feel like you would be sat at a table... And somebody's trying to talk to you, and if you clearly weren't interested and not in that frame of mind, you'd just be going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Just like, yeah, I haven't got much to say on it, so yeah. I'm not what bothering. It's like just having to just talk for the sake of talking, which I don't really like doing. Me and Paul would be the best pair of wickers. We'd just sit in silence, get the work done, go to bed early. Oh. <laughs> Nothing would go wrong. Yeah, yeah. You both have a tipple. Yeah. There'd be no misery, no madness, and no horniness. <laughs> yeah. So on obviously on the, the horniness angle of <laughs> we've got going on with it. So we've got obviously the, the fantasies that Winslow has when he sort of first discovers that little like figurine of the 
yeah. mermaid and stuff. And it's like, oh, what's this hidden under the bed? So I wonder who that's been left from before, firstly. Mm-hmm. And then there's the whole fact of obviously as as the story progresses, it's kind of like you know, it's it's his only means of you know relieving himself satisfaction so it's like i'll just masturbate over a thing and then these sort of visions become more and more well visually realistic to us anyway in terms of what he stumbles upon whether it's probably obviously all in his head but yeah what did you think of the 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 fish vagina oh that was disgusting (laughs) i'm not gonna lie like i know female body parts and the definitely hair down below is, is not the prettiest of pictures, but there were like three of them. <laughs> I actually did go, <laughs> well, who was that watching it? I? <laughs> I don't need to see that. And why is anyone visualizing that? Like a mermaid. Normally, you don't, yeah, you don't when see little that. mermaids, you don't see that there, but it's obviously making more realistic. I rather think they had sex like via the belly button, you know, like a seahorse does, I suppose. That would be a name to the film if if Winslow was the one to give birth, Seahorse <laughs> yeah. style. Yeah, exactly. I would. I'd love that if that was real for actual human beings. Paul knows I've said this <laughs> several times. Yeah, but it is really vulgar that, in a sense, this is like with he's only there four weeks. <laughs> Obviously, as it gets on, yes, fair enough. You could get to a point of frustrated and need to relieve oneself. Because there's also the sexuality between. The two characters, isn't there? There's a scene where they're drinking, they're dancing, they're slow yeah. dancing, they very nearly kiss, and then yeah. they have a fist fight, which is almost almost like a way of showing without showing a bit of physical relief between the two actors. Yeah, the frustration is like, no, 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 I'm not I'm not gay, get away from me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, just I'm a man, we're gonna fight now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they need that intimacy as well. They want that yeah. physical Grace, touch. One more thing to talk about on the wanking, if I may. I'm really glad I got to say. Um, It was a question I had for Sophie, actually. Sophie, when you watched the film, did you watch it with subtitles or without? We did. I I thought it best in best interest because, like, it's obviously like the monologues and stuff. I thought it best just to have the subtitles on, I think. I agree completely. I think it's a much better film. It's, It's, you know, because of the language and how it's so accurate to the Victorian era. It's just. So was, now what I wanted to talk about was my three favourite subtitles because there's three that I found pretty cool. <laughs> uh-huh. The first one is just because it's constant and it goes back to Sophie's first annoyance is Foghorn Blairs is yeah. used throughout. Yeah. Sludge Sloshing is one that was used uh, when, he, when he was mixing in the chalk in the cistern. <laughs> and the third one, which is just the best, is Soft Slapping. I did read that, I did read that, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I came on this podcast to talk about how artistic and genius I find this film. So let's yeah. talk about soft slapping. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. I think it's part of the course. Obviously, like with the whole <laughs> farting angle they've got going on, it's like you wouldn't expect yeah. from a film like this to have such a feature as integral as into this, <laughs> this part of the character. I guess it just shows though that rawness because, to be fair, people don't really normally fart in front of one another. It's one of those kind of unless you're very close to somebody, you would fart in front of them. And I think that's kind of showing straight away from the get-go, your privacy. You're in a room with somebody who you don't really know. Yeah, it fits the theme like Paul said about the um, the choice of the square frame, that it kind of adds to the claustrophobia, that you know your, your, your bodily functions and your private moments and nothing's private in the, the life of a wiki. I don't really know what their job is up at the top, what he has to do, unless it's burnt by fire, or if it's just a big I light think- bulb, then... 
It's what the, does he do? Is it, was it the? Is it in the nineteenth? It's nineteenth century, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. The eighteenth or the nineteenth. So would they have? <clears> they have had a, like electricity of some description. Like that's what it's powered by. It's not a, a flame, is it? Of sorts. I think so. Yeah. So the generator that the tipping coal into. I used, yeah. I'm not Robert Eggers. I don't do all the research. <laughs> No, I just thought it's I'd an, in, it's an interesting question Sophie has though about what you do up there because Wake describes it as the watch so is he literally just paid to stand there and watch make sure the light doesn't go out and okay. I suppose if they have a stash of fuel up there to keep it going yeah I guess so is that with Winslow with the coal then is that what he's yeah, doing he's is he kind of igniting it yeah got to keep it lit in that sense but so the light doesn't die for them you know that's the purpose that's but you don't see it him going down in, in the middle of the night topping up the coal if, while Winslow's in bed, do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> we might be wrong. The coal might be for the uh, the foghorn. We could... Uh, <laughs> there's wikis <laughs> listening to this podcast screaming into the pillows right now. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. The coal is for the foghorn. Um, on the topic of the book, I did look obviously more into like what they were said in the, like, the, the articles and stuff. The extras, the the fact that the bulb itself, when you know, designing the lighthouse, that it was like a twelve thousand watt bulb, so it was very bright, and they actually needed sun cream in it to oh, actually wow. be standing in proximity of that light because of it being so bright. Quite crazy to have to be like tolerating that, and also the fact that when the lighting of the shots, like you know when they're at the dinner table and stuff, it's that single bulb they've got to work with. There's no other yeah. like camera lights in the corner or anything like it's all natural mm-hmm. like films of that and it kind of makes I, I think that really helps like keep it more like integral to like how it would have been and you know fits the the cinematography of what it's going for you know like they're in that darkness that's all they've got yeah it, it kind of helps no with the way it's done and portrayed and I think it makes you feel yet again that that darkness is the isolation and the loneliness and how eerie it can be mm-hmm. to be on a lighthouse. You think they're really pretty from afar, don't you? But you don't actually realise what <laughs> what goes into yeah. goes into it. They do a good job of shooting that light to look painfully bright. There's some shots, some of the early shots of Defoe when he's he's making a toast to the light and he's lit so brightly and he's squinting. Yeah. And he, he does such a good job of giving it that kind of power through through the images. It's beautiful. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's it really is like the black. I've said that the the black and white being a artistic choice really helps that, and I think even on like I say on the TV with the four K stuff and that, like the blacks like really dark, and so even like there's a couple of shots with that. Obviously, that square thing is not the full screen, and it kind of looks like obviously the two of them at the table for example, and they're just almost like in the darkness. They're like merging into the rest mm. of the TV essentially with the thing because it's like black. So the black is just the empty space, so it's kind of like just go ongoing forever. Like they're just in this yeah. kind of like I say, like the purgatory element to it. Yeah, I think with the four K side of things, and you're gonna hate me, Paul. Mm. I don't feel like it was one of those that I benefited for, but obviously I watched it in four K. Maybe I'm kicking myself, and if I watched it in a different quality, I'd notice it. Mm. It just, but I think because of the age of the film, it was going for. It looked a lot softer on certain outlines of the way that they wanted to portray, if that makes sense. Like, it looked grainy, it looked old. I think, uh, yeah, no, it was meant to have that effect. It wasn't like a true, like, digital clean plate log, just because it's modern, no. it had to be cleaned up completely. It had the, they, in fact, they had, like, really old filters applied right, to, the, okay. to the camera, like, shot in negative 35 mil, 
Kodak film with okay. custom built filters and all lenses. Oh, okay, so, I appreciate it even yeah, more now. Yeah, yeah, to, <laughs> to add that element of it to give it more like it, but it's making it give it the appearance of that old era. So they actually artistically chose for it to not be the sharpest it could be. I think it's added depth. But, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 but it's yeah. still like it purposely has that slight grain to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's by the by. So, like when you've mentioned Jones before about the whole like Greek myths and stuff, I believe. Mm. Obviously, I think there's the whole thing of the the Prometheus and like uh, sorry Proteus even and Poseidon. Obviously, like you know, he's the god of the sea and everything like that. And there's that that one moment where Defoe's character wake gives that sort of like the he like roars and he. Mm. Because that other long monologue, and obviously that like, thunderstorm goes with it, as if he's like you know doing the curse. Yeah, it's I mean, beautiful. It's it really is, yeah, really powerful. Now again, the lighting in that kind of like you know, emphasizes that aspect to him, like you know, like, oh you've listened to me and everything, and just getting his point across, and it just everything you know, that part of that is really strong and striking. I like the Greek references. I don't think it's too much. I don't think it imposes on these themes and the stories so much as it's he just gives a great flavour to the film and I think this is probably how these wikis would talk because in that age you know the Greek myths were, were just everywhere and were so prevalent and if yeah. you're if you're a sailor you're going to know those stories and those ideas but mm-hmm. the monologue of Defoe's is incredible and I believe he did it in one take without blinking and I heard a story that Robert Eggers sort of painfully had to make cuts to make the scene work better even though he really wanted to preserve the fact that Defoe stares <laughs> Stared down at Winslow for the, the entire time delivering that delivering that monologue. Yeah, obviously he's Defoe is like such a great actor anyway. Like in, it's never really gives a bad performance in any of the work that he does. Kind of a weird relationship I I have with these characters, if I'm completely honest, because initially I'm all for Winslow, hmm. and at the end I feel sorry for Wake, and I'm like, how did we do this full circle of yeah? Oh, oh how did I get here? <laughs> Because <laughs> you're rooting for Winslow because he's putting in the graft, he's doing the work, he's being a good boy for the four weeks, and then he just becomes an utter ass. Yeah, and we find out that he committed a murder before the start of the film as well, which is sort of probably specially placed for us to find that out. I, I don't know if I... Because I this was a bit where I was like, is this actually true, or is he now thinking that because he wants to commit a murder? Ah, that's interesting, yeah. So some parts I didn't know what were actually true value, and others... <laughs> were like somebody's imagination. For example. Towards the end, but not the ending. I have a couple of questions. So it's more when Winslow, he's kind of becoming the bad character and you can see the kind of brawl between Wick and Winslow and then he becomes a mermaid and or like become the sea god. And then Wick becomes like kind of... I don't know, Winslow gets the better of him and you're like, this is where I kind of think, is this all in Winslow's head? So the lead up to where he's like walking <laughs> Wake as a dog and making him rough and got him on a leash kind of thing and then burying him alive is Wake is quite a submissive at this point and it feels like that's not really his character and who he would be like. So I was thinking in my head, this isn't real. Winslow wouldn't be this kind of person to do this. It's more, you know, when you get to a point of where you get so annoyed with somebody, you can envision killing them. That... I agree completely, Sophia. <laughs> I'm getting brownie points today. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> yeah, when I when I watched it most recently, this was the first time that the burial scene in particular made sense to me because, as you say, 
that all feels like it's a bit of a fantasy because Wake's been the dominant the whole film. Winslow now is dominant. He's um, he's finally got the he's finally calling the other man dog, which is a bit of a theme during the film that Winslow hates being given dog work and told to do the dog shift and is referred to as a dog. <laughs> and part of my theory for this, I run the risk of insulting the film because, in my opinion, when Winslow is burying Wake in the ground, the monologue that Wake is delivering sounds like sort of sound bites and nonsense that Winslow would make up thinking of what Wake would say, if that makes sense. Right, okay, that's interesting, yeah. Yeah, no, I can see that yeah. now that you've said that. Yeah, definitely. There was only one part of that speech that I wrote down, and that was um, in the burial scene, Wake says, them's truth, which sounds like something he'd say, but isn't really, sort of doesn't really work as a sentence, that them's truth. And I feel like is that Winslow's head sort of filling yeah. in with filler, what Wake might say if he was monologuing to him. Because, um, because if you think about that scene as well, after that burial is when Winslow then goes up to the lighthouse with the key in his hand, but then it cuts back to the, the lodgings just before <laughs> the act scene. And it's like, that's when we go back to reality, I think. Yeah, because he comes back out now. It's almost like, oh, I wasn't expecting you were buried. You're supposed to be buried. Why have you come yeah. down? Like, oh, don't go and, you know, I'll teach you for. But then there's a lot of <laughs> mind tripping with that because then it's like, well, you just, where it goes to Winslow, like, oh, well, you had the axe. <laughs> yes. And you're like, yes. oh, wait a minute. And I'm like, oh, I'm so confused. And yeah. who's actually trying to kill who? Or are they just, is it they're both the same person and they're just wanting to kill themselves? I, I don't mm. know. <laughs> <laughs> With my most recent, because I flick between interpretations every time I watch this film. <laughs> That's always so good, though, doesn't it? Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. And I think, as I said in my most recent film, I think I'm currently in the opinion that everything is in Winslow's head, that he's just been going mad from the start. There's one thing I did want to touch on that I thought you might like, Paul, um, mm. and that's the idea. If we go on the theory that it is a bit of a kind of purgatory thing, that it's kind of a limbo before like after after death before the afterlife yeah is if you think about the jobs of winslow in the past he was a woodsman so you're thinking of thriving wildlife whereas now he's on a cold empty barren rock no no real wildlife i thought that was quite cool no yeah that's a good interpretation of that yeah i was i was obviously for the theme of like being in like the salvation and stuff obviously the light being a beacon of like hope and that's what they're kind of going for in terms of like normally go to the light and that's, you know, you're going to be, you know, you pass on and you go to your next life and you're normally all happy and everything like that. Yeah. But for him, it's, 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 it's obviously a much darker end to mm. the thing, especially at the, the <laughs> very, very end when he kind of go, you know, I think he, he finally, Winslow finally gets up there and things like he goes to see what it is. And we, we obviously as the audience don't see what he sees and it's like, and mm. left to interpretation of what, he actually sees as the light actually opens up the little door that it has and everything. It's like, well, is it something that's disappointing? And he's kind of just like, oh my God, I spent all my time threatening and getting, you know, potentially killing someone for this kind of thing. Or it's like, it's it's just uh, a thing. It's such a relief of having that. And it's, I know Robert Pattinson like, was told to like give a performance as if you were having like everlasting orgasm. That's why he's doing the face <laughs> and the screaming and stuff like <laughs> I think you're on something there, Paul, because just, just because he reaches the light doesn't mean he's sort of passed the test, as it were. So he yeah. goes to the light wanting redemption and the light saying, not yet, you, you haven't proved worthy. Maybe yeah, there's another, another another loop of um, limbo to go. Yeah, that's, and that's why he's kind of like, he's left on the rocks, like, I yeah. think, in the Prometheus yeah. way of, you know, like the birds pecking at his, 
in this mm-hmm. and stuff just left to die and it's like no sorry you, you, you didn't go the right path and that's you're just left to you cast out essentially from heaven instead of and you're left in hell all this purgatory on this island mm-hmm. and everything because I, I think at the end you can see logs again as well do you know as the camera pans out on that shot i've been getting pecked and oh. you've got the idea of the dream sequences having the logs in the water it's like the water is where all these sort of earthly sins are based so he's his base, um, his base rec- needs of a, of a woman and a mermaid, and the the logs floating in the water, like the memory of the potential murder. Yeah. And at the top in the sky is that light that's just it's just rejected him again. <laughs> yeah, no, I think so. And that, like, I think I I looked up as well, like in the extra stuff they were saying about like how, like I said, the lighthouse being the knowledge and hope, and mm. uh, that was the individual consciousness, whereas the sea is more the collective and like to do like perversions or. Mm. Uh, you know things rising up from the sea a lot of things do like so like the mermaid and those I think it was logs and other things that kind of wash up from mm. the sea that become apparent and make things more aware to us as the audience and like reveal that, that Winslow is not who he says he yes. is and, yeah and he's obviously I think it's come more apparent from from that really That'd fit well with Sophie's theory that Wake and Winslow are the same person because Winslow pulls the head of um, the former second out of the, the ocean yeah. as well doesn't it? In the lobster pot yeah with a yeah. one-eye, like the one-eyed seagull. Yeah. Yeah. Still being haunted by possibly another murder that he committed. Mm-hmm. So I have to, I have questions. <laughs> More questions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The logs, obviously, because he was a timber, is that why we see them in the water? Or is there something else yeah. I'm missing? No, I think, I think so. It. Yeah. Because it's sort of from his past. Yeah. That's he's escaping from this past. And it's almost like, a, well, has he, like I say, he's, he's taken this job because he's, he's in this story that he tells us we to believe that. He's just done this uh, when he reveals, you know, he spills the beans as it as he says to to that like for his like to get past that it's like taking his identity and just move. That's why he's called goes by that. Uh, Eth- what was it? Um, Ephraim Winslow. Eth- and that was I forget this person. It's just easier. Thomas Winslow. Howard. Yeah, yeah. And the murder. Have I completely missed this part? So when did he actually kill somebody? We don't see that. Off. No, I know, yeah. but obviously it's a conversation that's had. Yeah. But yet again, am I being? Am I just bypassed it because I just felt so like Winslow was a good character initially. So between the kind of dream sequences and um, when he spills his beans, he tells a story of either killing or just letting die his former yeah. foreman when he was a, a woodsman or a timberman. Right. So it doesn't mean that he actually. No, he just like a bystander. He should have could have saved him or didn't could do enough, done enough to do it so it wasn't yeah he wouldn't didn't straight up murder him it's not, right sorry okay. that's, that's... so it's more like a guilty conscience yeah. that he yeah. could have done more yeah yeah it didn't actually go with an act but he did no. take, I, thinking... I don't know if jones i don't know if you noticed or certainly picked up more of things on this time around as a big fan of the shining and like there's <laughs> sort of similar themes that kind of reflect in this as well i think i've been like obviously going to an isolated place yeah. And, you know, sort of going insane. There was a couple of other scenes though that kind of made me think about it a lot more this time. Like there was the the the, the scene where um, Wake, I think, we're obviously coming from the the boat where he's you know destroying. It's like, oh no, don't leave me! And then he yes. kind of running with with the axe, and he's almost like toppling <laughs> like Jack Torrance. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when it when it comes to The Shining, I don't know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the light can actually be compared to Room 237 in a sense. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe as a storytelling device rather than the films having the same themes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But I just I thought, and also the um, when uh, Winslow, like, 
discovers the log book and he's almost like flicking through and like Wendy does yes. with the typewriter and then <laughs> even the music is kind of like uh, oh my god like what's been, mm. been writing about me kind of thing but mm. it's obviously like you know obviously in the shine it's the old work and no play kind of thing but yeah. in a similar way I think I just picked up on those <laughs> elements a bit more this time yeah, I'll tell you a couple I always um, mm. spot. Well, not so much spot, but um, quite early. it's actually quite early on in the film that we get the first dream sequence, uh, which is where we see Winslow walk into the water and see uh, the the foreman that he let die. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's there's some musical stabs in that scene that really feel like The Shining, like the big swelling moments of dread. Not the theme of The, of the Shining, yeah. but some yeah, of the yeah. sort of shock music. Yeah. And also one of my favourites is the mermaid being a sort of tormenting, desirable female apparition, just like the, the the old woman in the bathroom who uh, yeah yeah because uh, yeah. the, yeah. the shining in the shining it's a beautiful woman and then she sort of laughs at him and torments him in the shape of the old woman and in the lighthouse you've got the idea of the beautiful mermaid she's a bit voluptuous but then once he sort of moves his hand down and touches the scales really? of the bottom half he has a, a, a maybe even yeah, a similar scream to jack nicholson i did say about the mermaid being like the screeching as well of of her hmm. that was quite unnerving for me when I when I saw her and then obviously you see something else as well which mm. is not pleasant but that looked like it could chop his hand off to be fair she didn't need to be <laughs> <laughs> doing too much really to defend herself but yeah now that you've said that the mermaid did make me feel a bit uneasy yeah and that in the shining oh many a times that woman in the bath she scares the living crap out of me I'm so glad we don't have a shower curtain anymore <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but to be fair, this didn't scare me as much, which was nice. I really thought because it was Jones, <laughs> I yeah, was yeah. again. I did, I did say to, it's, it's not as, as scary as, as it was. There's elements of horror, sure, but I feel like it's more just like a, almost like a psychological drama in a sense, really. More it so, messes with your mind. It definitely does. It makes you feel a bit like, what have I seen? What have I watched? I kind of don't know what I'm interpreting from it, and I think that's what it's going for. But you can take it many ways. As we've, as we've gone through yeah, different I, iterations of what it could mean. and It makes you want to watch it again just to see what we've discussed, to see if I can re-see it mm-hmm. and see these other ideas of how it can pan out. No, I'll watch it 15 good. times, like some loser would. I don't think I've watched my favourite film 15 times. <laughs> A big part of it is the atmosphere. I just Because Zegas has a reputation for being so historically accurate, I just mean I'm a big history lover. You can just sit and watch even just the first part of the film where they're just labouring day to day, and it's just so fascinating to watch. Mm-hmm. You get such a painstaking window of someone sort of painting a picture of what life would be like for, for that job, which is, no. he's known for in his films. Absolutely, yeah. No, his attention to detail is, is immaculate at times, and it's like he's, he's one of my favourite newer directors. And I know he's like we're we're just about like even just looking at how they're dressed in the costumes and stuff like mm-hmm. how that's that's accurate to like the young and the old as well. Read that as well. Like they were specifically for the obviously like the more superior lighthouse mm-hmm. gear, and then for the one like obviously that the younger worker had to wear a different set of clothes, even the symbols that were on the jackets and all that kind of stuff. That was part of the course as well. So it's done like, the research. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, make it accurate as possible, which I. It's it's rare to see. Definitely. It shows how hard times are in comparisons. Like, I don't know what a lighthouse operator has to do now, or even if we have them, to be fair, or if the light just is on and then if it goes off, somebody just presses a switch. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this day and AI will just do it for you. Yeah. Yeah, and it just shows how hard 
people have to actually work and graft to get to where we are now. Also, you said about the killing the gull because that was like part of me being like, well, why did he kill it? It mm-hmm. wasn't its fault. Mm-hmm. You know, the one that died in your water, mm-hmm. that's that's the gull you should have been gunning. Taking it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not killing an innocent one that probably has been tormenting him, to be fair. Mm-hmm. But you were saying that it could be in an old sailor's soul or something in the gull, and that was kind of the connection with it. Do you think that, Jones? There's something to it because... We, the goal, I don't know if you remember, so the, the goal that he kills is one eyed, just like the head he pulls out of the water that was um, I Wake's did not former. even see that. <laughs> so I think there's something to that. And also that the, the weather and the wind objectively change at that exact point that we see yeah. the weather change. We see the, um, the what do you call those things that tell you what the wind blowing? Um, is it a weather vane or? Weather vane, yeah. I was, yeah. was going to call it weather pointer. Yeah, the, the weather <laughs> vane changes. Um, Wake immediately sees that the weather's changing, that there's a storm coming. So it's kind of hard to argue with that. So Even if you were to look at it completely literally, it's hard to argue with that part of it being something supernatural. Yeah, just like the, the shining senses. There's a supernatural element to that as well. That's why I say like the you know, bad luck and all this kind of like curses and stuff that are coming to the thing. Obviously these like, you know, tall tales as it were, as uh, Winslow kind of states and scoffs. Uh, <laughs> but they did have some weight to him, obviously, back in the days. And that's what I kind of like about this as well, because it's kind of almost like that. It's obviously not folk horror in the traditional sense, I suppose, but there's that element of of mythology and tales of, you know, like, oh, be wary of those, you know, the mer people and, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they don't get equal representation in cinema as folk horror, but you have to imagine that sailors and seamen and the wikis and everybody has such a big lore of history and belief that it must match that kind of folk horror weight mm-hmm. to it. No, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't feel like a mermaid should be bad. <laughs> but maybe that's but then... because my connection is the little mermaid. So <laughs> Which is which Disney took and made. I think was it is it Hans Christian Andersen who did like the original book and that was so so i think it was kind of a sad tale it wasn't like what the little mermaid that disney put out was <laughs> not the same Why and if that? you go back to the greeks again then the yeah. sirens are obviously a force for destruction and evil <laughs> yeah sirens and yeah. meaning that obviously like they lured sailors to the rocks uh, yeah, and their, yeah, yeah. Their, ship, their ships crashing to it so there's so. technically what she kind of was yeah yeah the scream yeah yeah with yeah. The screaming yeah but normally it's a nice song that they sing to lord <laughs> Not the case here. She just wants to torment him, doesn't she? Yeah. <laughs> right from the right from the first appearance. <laughs> one on that, there's one thing that I found quite interesting watching it is that I'll just get my notes very quickly because it's actually in the first 15 minutes we see Winslow's first dream sequence, if you consider it a dream sequence, rather than a greater force showing him creepy things. So in the first 15 minutes, we see the logs in the water and the body floating in the water. We see the siren. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see, and we actually see the light in that early shot where Wake is making a toast to it. And after that 15 minutes, there's like a pretty long stretch where they're just doing day-to-day labouring. I think it's a really cool way of the film setting its stall out and then leaving that tension to build that you've seen all this weird trippy stuff and now you're watching them paint walls and uh, you know, have a back in a place and things like yeah. that. Yeah, and I think that's where, for me, when you're watching it, you're like, okay, well, did that happen? I'm guessing it didn't. And that's when I was second guessing then anything after that. That seemed yes. a bit unusual. I think it's intentional. I don't know if there's anything in the fact of, obviously, there's a, there's a mention about like how, how long they've been on this 
mm. peninsula island and everything. This but, rock. This rock, yeah. Um, <laughs> like at the very, like near the end, I think shortly after the scuffle and everything, after, you know, discovered what it said about in the logbook and everything, the clock that's going tick, 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 and almost like that also happens in like the cogs as well and the, the lighthouse itself as it's yeah it's rotating as if like time like it's very obvious that time is passing but how long has it been passing and then he smashes the clock almost like like just as if like stop time and like is that after the fact when maybe when he like gets him on the lead and walks him down as if maybe that's time stopped at that point that's that's the- really cool yeah yeah I think that is just before they have that first fight. It might be before the um, the smashing of the boat as well. It's hard to remember exactly. Yeah, so maybe something there like after. So after that has happened, they smash the clock, and then that's that's it. Then everything after that is just like <laughs> you know, nonsensical, or like it's if it's real or not. Yeah, yeah. It could be a symbolic thing. Yeah, that yeah. that's, that's maybe, maybe almost not, like maybe too much into it, but... No, I think we need to. Yeah. I sometimes think the film might have been purposely directed to be inconsistent to keep us guessing as well, and to give us sort of red meat to chew on. Um, there's some scenes where he acts just like a kind of neglected wife and a, an insulted wife. And there's like <laughs> an odd couple dynamic between the two. But then there's obviously scenes where he's really cruel and domineering to him. And I wonder if sometimes like the, the, the famous lobster scene, which I'm surprised we haven't quoted oh, yeah. yet. Oh yeah. He acts so hurt in that scene when usually he's so cruel to Winslow. Yeah. It's like a seal of approval, isn't it? It's like really wanting somebody to appreciate and approve of his lobster. <laughs> and I think, isn't that where, if I'm right, the line of I want a steak to fuck, is that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the same scene. <laughs> yeah. I did write that down because, like, of all things to say, why wouldn't you want to eat it? Like, <laughs> I don't understand unless, I'm sorry, maybe I'm just not a man and I don't have as many you know urges like that but i would rather have if i was on rations i'd rather eat the steak than i don't think maybe he's just saying it just out of like him so he's so desperately wants it he would just do literally anything <laughs> to it i think it's like a just so it's, it's just a almost like a freudian slip or something maybe like a desire to like you would say you just want to eat it but you know it's like oh no i'm just so wound up here i would actually go to town on it but it makes you think way. if they had that's sexually deprived as well, to that point of where it's like, well, it's somewhat flesh, isn't it? Yeah. Balls face. <laughs> My face, I won't lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking it literal that that's what he wants to do. It is a very machismo moment of, he's talking about, you know, red meat, maybe the manliest kind of food you can talk about. And he's so, he's so sexually frustrated that he just immediately thinks, I would fuck it. <laughs> But then is that actually in his head or is that just like he's so het up? And I think it's rations, so the lack, lack of food, too much drink, frustrated by everything. So not just sexually frustrated, but frustrated that the only person they're getting to talk to is each other. Mm-hmm. Imagine mm-hmm. being on that island and that's the only person you get to communicate with for God knows how long, yeah. two months, three months are on that island. Mm-hmm. I think even me and you would go a bit stir crazy. Yeah, I think that's what isolation to that extreme can do to people and that's why it's probably not too far-fetched that these stories were true of stuff especially if it's based off actual fact almost mm-hmm. that this was a documented a situation like this actually happened so not far from the truth to think that the psyche of people could get that far 
I think also it kind of makes you think of like Winslow as a character being a good boy for four weeks and then he looks at the book and he's like and then he's saying well all throughout even when he's done he hasn't mopped the floor properly oh I'm gonna dock your pay mm-hmm. I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that it gets you to a point of where you're gonna resent that person and be hostile mm-hmm. and be kind of bitter and, and twisted to, towards them because like well the reason why he's wanting to be a wiki is because you get a good payout by the end of it and he wants to start fresh, doesn't he? Yeah. And then he sees that as work is depriving him of that, basically. So you can understand why in his head he'd want to get rid of him. It's a reason for murder, isn't it? Because outside the reality of the lighthouse, works a man who's poor, young, needs a job, needs money, and he's had it all taken away by this man he's been stuck with, getting fired in the face for all these weeks. <laughs> So I get confused with how Winslow dies, and I keep asking you about this. And I know you're looking at me like he eventually gets up there and he, he's he been pecked with the birds and such. But what makes him fall off the lighthouse? Like, how? Why? Well, you mean what makes him fall down the steps? Yeah, like, what, what happens? Like, is it just too bright or. <laughs> Did you get to the point? And like you said about, I know you obviously said about purgatory and you said obviously Pushed down, like, you know, like when you say goes to light, maybe, and then he's like, no, not your, not your time. And then he's just thrown, you know, like you see in other films where it's like, you think they're going to die, but then it's like, no, it's not your time. And then they zoom back to reality, you know, like back to the body. Yeah. Maybe it's that. Is it not- I think there's a cut where you don't see the sort of exact moment he falls. I mean, you see him dropping down those steps, but I don't know if it's him stumbling backwards. Maybe he turns and flees because he's terrified. Maybe, as Paul says, the light essentially pushes him away. It does make you think as well, when Wake's up there initially, there is like kind of a sea creature up there. When Wake's in there, yeah. 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 So is there some kind of mythical thing? I, I'd say as that Wake is that being because of the fact that you see later on when he's strangling him and then he becomes like that whatever sea creature is because all the other tentacles behind him as like he's part of Ah, so you don't think somebody else was up there with him, he was just kind of No, I don't think You think he is one he's he's all that yeah, he's 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 essentially a god and that's why he can take what the light gives, really, maybe and it's that's why he's like, Oh, you're not worthy to come up to the light, perhaps. That's why he's kind of like saying, no, it's a bit like, you know, Adam and Eve type of thing. Like, oh, don't but then if he's supposed to the light, then your theory of him being it, going to like the afterlife and wherever you go after you die, mm-hmm. then wouldn't he already be there? What Wake or Winslow? Wake. Because obviously Winslow gets pushed. But if you're saying that that's like the light is saying, no, you're not ready yet. Wake is already attending but, the light. But is he... Because if he's potentially a god of some kind, then he's not. He doesn't die in that sense, does he? He's not, he's not he's he's, immortal, essentially. Maybe, I don't know. He's the keeper or a tender of the light in yeah. a very literal way. He's not affected by what, in that sense, he's not like... So does that mean even right. Wake was even actually real? Well, that's what we're saying, whether he's... He's either a god, he's either Winslow. As an old man, I don't... Man. So he could be a St. Peter type figure, sort of guarding the gates. Ah, <laughs> oh, the white gates. Or is it that actually in the end, Winslow is wake and eventually he gets to go to the pearly gates because he can... At some see... point, if he's if it's going back around to, like we said about, like, right, not this time. and But we, we don't know because obviously the last choice came on 
where Winslow and the Rocks impacted mm. that. So, Ooh, okay. And then you rewind the film, start it again, and you watch his next <laughs> yeah. attempt at passing the test of shedding yourself of your earthly sins, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm even more confused now. <laughs> Job done. <laughs> <laughs> So I have a question for you, Jones. What, how come, apart from obviously wanting, like me, I, the reason why I'd come back to this film is for several answers and kind of re-watching to see what you guys have said. Mm-hmm. What's made you come back to it and watch it for 15 or more times? <laughs> well, part of it is, as I mentioned earlier, that the um, the, the attention to detail and the, the immersion in the atmosphere I just find really comforting in a way. <laughs> but also just how we've been talking about how there's just a different interpretation to it every time that you could... I could sit and watch this film and think, I'm going to watch this under the impression that Wake is an all-knowing ferryman to the beyond. <laughs> or I could watch the film thinking Cthulhu is driving them crazy. <laughs> or I could watch it thinking they're both just regular dudes going mad together. And every time you just sit through it, you pick up different details. And there's, it's, it, oh, I just think it's magical. <laughs> For such a dark, grim, gross film, there's just so much brilliance to it. I love how he talks about this film and the word magical <laughs> of all words. <laughs> for such a gross movie full of bodily functions. I mean, we haven't even talked about the poo, which is everywhere in this film. <laughs> Paul Winslow, when he gets to empty the... Yeah, he forgets the wind's blown <laughs> in the direction he goes back on his face, yeah. yeah. And he comes in and Wake just goes, you smell like shit, and you're like, well, yeah, I've got your shit on my face. <laughs> Yeah, so there's a almost there is a comical element to obviously with the farting is like you know like there's an immature things normally like in other films like comedy films it'd be like oh like really just played upon but it's kind of just a passing thing but it's kind of brings light to the situation despite the horrors that are sort of going on with it all. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard Robert Eggers say I don't know if it was tongue in cheek but he said because the witch is a film that doesn't have a the sort of single moment of lightness that sure. he put the farts into the lighthouse to give it a bit of a yeah, bit of you know, I read that, yeah. That's there's truth to that. Do you have any other points, Jones, before we go to scoring? I think we've pretty much touched on everything I wanted to yeah. to get to sort of tuck into, yeah. I could I could talk about this film the minutiae for hours, but no, I'm <laughs> I have really enjoyed talking through it with you guys. <laughs> That's been it's a lot of fun talking and obviously theorizing a lot of stuff and and I think I've learned something from your interpretations as well. So, so I'll mention one scene that I wanted to ask Sophie about. So, Sophie, yeah. this is one that wasn't on, sorry, it was on my list that you haven't brought up. Um, yeah. So, I've got this one wrong. <laughs> Did you enjoy the what scene? <laughs> what? what? When what? they're going, what? 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 Like the. That just reminded me of Finding Nemo with the mind, mind, mind. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm honest, it didn't bother me actually, to be fair. I, I think I've just glazed over it. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my favourite scenes in the film I just thought it might have stuck out for you as well <laughs> I'm such a disappointment aren't I <laughs> I think I was too much I think probably re-watching it back I will enjoy it more but because I was too much trying to analyse what was true and what wasn't mm-hmm. initially when I was watching it and yeah. I think that when you do yeah. your first watch it's a very yeah. hard hard watch but it has that it... aspect of wanting to go back and I think that's what's great about yeah, yeah. these kind of films so, so you would watch it yeah yeah just yeah. because the the intrigue giveness of understanding what it is yeah a bit more yeah makes me want to watch it again i think that's like shutter island like i always think 
he's not a psycho crazy person. That's not what I see him as. And I think that's the bit where it really, really baffled me when he actually he was actually meant to be that. And I'm like, no, I can't. Mm-hmm. And that really messed with my brain for quite a while. So Jones, we'll start with your score, which I think I kind of know in my head <laughs> what it might be. Mm, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, the only film I've seen more than this is The Shining. <laughs> Me and Paul very much agree on The Shining. Yeah. I would definitely give this a 10 out of 10. I'll tell you an interesting fact, though. I actually think The Witch is a better film. I think I just prefer The Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think The Witch is a better film, sort of more visually striking, maybe maybe even better made, just because it's not quite so vague. But The Lighthouse is the one I would just sit and watch and chew over and talk about. <laughs> no, that's good. I, so like, I do like... Which very very much. I haven't seen that. Have I? No, that I that might that might be a Halloween one. Oh, don't. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, say so Rob Rob Eggers is like one of my new favorite directors. I'm I'm with agreement on Jones of it being a ten. Really, uh, I can't really, but especially for the fact of obviously like the interpretations that it has that you can go into it and think something completely different each time. And I say like the the striking connections I've. I can see with like getting to the shining even more so this time watching as well in particular and obviously that'd be my favorite film then it's like I can't not give it that I have a rating so Sophie what's the pressure's on Sophie <laughs> no I won't, I, like... I won't be too like obviously because I say first watch but you've you've you have said that you would consider to check it out again don't so. try and persuade me you <laughs> I can say it's definitely not going to be a 10 from, from me. <laughs> I'm shocked. I'm, I know. But I'm not going to score it badly. Okay. I like making you, you the anticipation. Mm-hmm. Can, yeah, you, yeah. can you feel it? Uh-huh. Can feel both of your energy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you didn't look at it as another Black Christmas, which I know you hated with a passion. <laughs> I absolutely despise and still today hate it with a passion, <laughs> like a burning passion. Um, no, so actually I do, I do actually quite like the lighthouse i'm not going to say i don't i'm intrigued by it mm-hmm. it's got haunting areas but they're not to a point where i i got scared at any point where i was like i turn it off i can't watch it it was always a bit trippy but it makes you want to delve into it and come back to it and now i would want to re-watch it with what we've spoken about yeah you referring it to the, the shining obviously I've watched that several times, and I would say The Shining is a lot more scarier than mm, The Lighthouse yes. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I can tolerate that, <laughs> I should be fine. So for me, at this present time, mm-hmm. it's going to be an eight. Which Wow, is... yay. Yeah, that's pretty good, yeah. I love yes. this fact. I uh, it actually, so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it is really intriguing. The performances are brilliant. To say you've only got two people... Working off each other, yeah. Yeah, you've got some mythical creatures, but you know, really, to, uh, yeah, yeah. Technically, there's yeah. just two people in this this more film. Rest, yeah. Where do you really see that The Shining have a lot more people actually mm-hmm. yeah, involved yeah, course, in it? Yeah, yeah. Whereas this is stripping it back. It's like literally just kind of jumping towards where The Shining is, where it's got Jack and Wendy and Danny and the, yeah, yeah, a look. Yeah. And it can be the mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a whole other level of theorising. <laughs> <laughs> but 
no thank you both I've re- I've really enjoyed watching it I really enjoyed this podcast actually I was I was more anxious and apprehensive I think just because I thought I was thinking oh Jones likes really horrible gory <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to be like behind the oh, sofa God. like really really scared but I don't know if you've just got easy on me no I don't think with the subject matter we know what we were going into when we both pitched us up the, the idea of like covering this but yeah, I think we know there was nothing to really worry about. Well, we're just obviously in, interested in your interpretation of what this it had to offer. Am but, I disappointed? You no, got... no, absolutely not. And obviously, the you, opposite. Yeah, ah. yeah. No, you, and you brought some other theories, or you know, like to to light of what you've thought of it. So that's always positive. So yeah, I feel like an A star student. <laughs> <laughs> The Lighthouse getting an 18 out of 20 from SP Film Viewers is pretty damn awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and Sophie, you can let this be proved that there's more to the horror genre than just blood and guts and boobs and swearing and people ringing around with knives. <laughs> That's true. Sometimes they have axes as well. <laughs> yeah. And mermaids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bad mermaids, yeah. Yeah. She was like a witch, basically. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you very much, Jones, for joining us on this episode. It's uh, been a blast, really, just theorising <laughs> and, and as such. But uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, I hope you've had fun. It's been awesome. And yeah, I'm just delighted that Sophie likes it. <laughs> I know she, she always gives films a fair shot, but I know horror's not her genre of choice. <laughs> I know. I don't really feel like this is a horror for me. I, I don't know why. I think it's more like a psychological mm. Trippy. That's what I thought, yeah. Yeah, which I do like, like, apart from when I got a fight club like that and then you were devastated because <laughs> yeah. it was like, oh, is this oh. just this? And you were like, what? Yeah. And I kind of said it to you, didn't I, with this film, I straight away went, oh, is he just the older version of him? And you kind of just looked at me. <laughs> and nodded, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't, like, that far on in, were we? Yeah, I can't remember how far we were in, but you kind of, yeah, but I was kind of like, a, yeah, no, you kind of just seeing this a bit more, aren't you, with these kind of things. <laughs> Like, is it just in the head or yeah. uh, that person or whatever? Yeah. I don't think Sophie my older does. Sophie would have, like, the old younger Sophie would have liked this. Uh-huh. Definitely not. No. I'm growing. Yeah. But long time coming with Jones being on. Yeah, and happy to have you on as, again as a guest at any uh, I point. feel like yeah. he'll be coming on for Halloween. Because, <laughs> you know, what, it's, it's literally October baby, yeah. isn't he? Maybe we'll have you back for The Witch. Perhaps mm. that might be a good episode as well. Another Eggers yeah. film. Yeah. Well, I, I recently like rewatched um, Jacob's Ladder, and that is another one, a bit like this, that I feel like has loads to chew on if you ever wanted to dive into that one. Yeah, that would scare Sophie, though, so uh, maybe leave that till Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll have a different thing to say, Jones. I won't be like, oh, it's an eight. <laughs> that won't get an eight from Sophie. <laughs> I'll be on my high horse then. <laughs> All right, lastly, thing to do then is where people can find you on social media. Yeah, I'm not a podcaster myself like some of you guests. I am around online. I post a lot on Instagram under Weight Loss Jonesy. I talk about weight loss, obviously, and Warhammer 40,000. So if you ever want to see miniatures getting painted and me talking about diets and exercise and coffee, then yeah, you can find me there. Sometimes talking about horror films. (laughs) Yeah, definitely go and follow him and like him and everything like that. He is definitely... Well, I follow him on Instagram and I enjoy everything he posts. (laughs) Even his little figures. <laughs> yeah, always got a funny comment to say. Right. So yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah, no, so yeah, you go and do that. And obviously I'm very appreciated that you are a patron of our show as well. So I'm a supporter of you guys. I think your your show is awesome. 
thanks thanks once again for joining thank you cheers Thank you for listening to this episode, and a big thank you to our special guest. If you want to check out some of our other episodes, you can do so by going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and wherever else you get your podcasts from, and we'd really appreciate you leave us a five-star review on any of those platforms as well. A big thank you to the patrons for supporting the show, who are Mark from 100 Things You Learned From Film, Ben from Film Vloggers, our friend Jones, who is at Weight Loss Jonesy on Instagram, Sophie's mum, and Nico from The Good, The Bad, and The Weird podcast. And if you would like a shout out on each of our episodes and the opportunity to vote on what we watch once a month, all you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash spfilmviewers to sign up for as little as £1 or $1.50 a month and gets you those little perks and helps grow our little community. And lastly, if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok under the handle SP underscore film viewers. Once again, thank you very much for listening and we will speak to you next time.